And your people, even right now, by faith, will see a victory. They'll see your hand moving upon their life. They'll see your love filling their their homes and their hearts and their lives. They'll see your peace filling their minds. They'll see that, God, there's your presence coming and transforming the way they live and the way they walk and the way they talk. Let them see a victory today because you are with us. You are for us. We thank you for your presence today, Lord. We thank you that you're here. God, I just pray for all those online. You'll just allow them to just engage in this service and receive from you, now from your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a beautiful day it is. Of course, I woke up thinking, oh no. I know uh, I live in Hickory Hills, and it's called Hickory Hills for a reason. There are some big hills. And I thought, oh man, my poor little car know if I'm going to make it, and then I was on the phone just making sure everything was here and, and working, and and, uh, and I'm like, boy, I, I don't know if this is going to work, and then uh, Pastor Mark said, well, Annie Maurice made it, and I'm like, oh, okay, if a lady got there with no problems, I've got to get it, I've got to get out there, and they're like, well, we can send Jason with his Jeep to go get you, I said, no way, he didn't do that for Andy, he's not doing it for me. And, uh, hey, here I am. We, we made it. So grateful that we're, I'm here today. And grateful I know many of you are online watching uh, because of all the snow that's falling. But uh, we know that God is still here. If you'd want to connect with us, maybe you're watching for the first time and you just stumble upon our church website and are watching our service, you can connect with us. There's a connect button there. And I think I know everybody in this room. But, yep, looks like most people. Never filled one out. We just want to make you feel good. Go ahead and fill one out. You can give at any point. We're so grateful for the giving of this church. I love what's taking place in our lives. Uh, yesterday, speaking of giving, a few of us went and delivered a 2016 van to the women at the Dream Center Farm. Yes, praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Jim, for driving us out there as we beat the storm back. It was just a good time to be out there. I've been there, obviously, before. It was the church I came from. That's the ministry that they have out there for women who literally come off the streets of Chicago or around America and need to change their life. This is a place they can commit one year and receive discipleship. And there's been over 700 women that have gone through the farm since 2001. So just glad that we can be a part of it. And, and I know uh, Pastor Mark and, and Jimmy Morris, they're already planning some mission trips. One of them that's close to home. But uh, you can give at any point, and you can give online, and of course, if you're here, you can give out there. Well, I wanted to end this series uh, this morning and with the story of David versus Goliath. So I definitely love that first song about seeing a victory, and no matter what giant is in front of me, I knew God was orchestrating this day as He always does. But I wanted to share that, that story again as we look at this, this last series of ownership. And it's my, my heart's desire to really possess the kingdom of God in my life. I, I want to behold Christ. I want to behold His goodness. I want the Spirit of God to be alive in me. I want to be alive more than ever before. I've grown up in church. 
went to Bible college, have been in ministry uh, for 24 years now, and I can tell you I'm still hungry for Jesus because I know there's more and more of Him. I know that I can have more of Him and I can never get enough of Him. I, and that's what I want for God's people these days. I want us to hunger and thirst for righteousness because the Word says we will be filled. So I want us to have that ownership mentality, and that's what this month has been about. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the beginning of the story of David versus Goliath. And uh, we know that David was the youngest of his brothers, his three oldest brothers were out in the battle. And uh, his dad said, hey, I want you to go take him some food. So we'll pick up the story in verse 17 of 1 Samuel 17. It says, one day, Jesse told David, hurry, take this sack of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers at the army camp. And here are ten large chunks of cheese to take their, to their commanding officer. Find out how your brothers are doing and bring back something that shows that they're all right. They're with Saul's army fighting the Philistines in the Elah Valley. David obeyed his father. He got up early the next morning and left someone else in charge of the sheep. Then he loaded the supplies and started off. He reached the army camp just as the soldiers were taking their places and shouting the battle cry. The army of Israel and the Philistines armies stood facing each other. Verse 22, David left his things with the man in charge of supplies, and he ran up to the battle line to ask his brothers if they were well. While David was talking with them, Goliath came out from the line of the Philistines and started boasting as usual. David heard him. When the Israelite soldiers saw Goliath, they were scared and ran off. I just have to start with the army of Israel first, because in one minute, they're looking like an army. They're lining up, they're, you know, they're shoulder to shoulder, they've got their swords ready, their shields, and they're looking like they've, you know, got the war paint, and they're looking like an army, and then they clear their throats and start giving the war cry, and then Goliath comes out, and their cries for war turn into cries for help. Today's day and age, we would call them fake or phony. We would look at them and say, what is your problem? You're not doing your job. And we've seen these reports uh, in Florida. There was the shootings of, and there was the investigations of uh, law enforcement who were running away from the scene as opposed to running to the scene. And we saw here in Chicago of police, uh, law enforcement again, who were right by the riots and they're just sleeping on, on tables. We, we see how in our country... People don't take lightly when people aren't doing their job. When people are supposed to be doing something, you know, I, I don't think you would have taken it lightly if I would have just, you know, been at the bowling alley today like it's a snowstorm. I, don't, I think you would have been like, what is this guy? He's not doing his job. He should be here. And that is what was taking place with the Israelite army. They were supposed to be ready to fight. They were supposed to know that, man, it's not going to be easy, that it's a battle. They call it a battle for a reason. And yet they said, you know what, we don't want any part of this. So I just want to first of all say, this, that again is my, the cry of my heart. I don't want us just to look like Christians. I don't want us to just sound like Christians. I don't want to just come to church on Sunday. I don't want to just preach sermons. I don't want you to just take notes. 
I don't even just want to just read the Bible. I don't want to just get on my knees to pray. I want to just do, I don't want to just do those things that people expect us to do. I want us to do those things that people are like, what are they doing? They're living the Bible out. I don't want to just sound like an army. I want to be the army. I want to be a believer in Christ. I want to live for God. I want to act like a, a, a Christian. I want to not just sound like it, but I want my words to bring transformation of people's lives. That's what I want. I don't want ever to be accused of not doing your job. And and believers in Christ, receive this with all of my heart. We will stand before the Lord. We will stand before our commander-in-chief, and he's going to ask us, what did you do? What did you do with the gospel? What did you do with this truth that I gave you? What did you do with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? What did you do? I want to say, Lord, I, I wasn't perfect, but I did my best to do my job, and I want you to be able to say the same. I want to say, well, we, we weren't always perfect, but we were always trying, and we it was our desire to live your, your truth in our lives. I want to be the army of God. I don't want to run when the giant comes out. I don't want to hide when problems are, are piling up. I don't want to, you know, start thinking, oh, man, what's my exit plan? This isn't working out the way I was thinking it was going to work out. No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear down. I'm going to bunker down. And I'm going to say, Lord, let's do this. Let's go to battle. That was the army, and I don't want us to live that way. I, I want us to just really live like the army of God. And I wanted to start off with this statement as we look at ownership and owning the kingdom of God. And this statement I'm going to make applies to not just our Christianity, applies to your job. Uh, I'm sure this church is blessed to have business owners. This applies to your business. But this is the statement. Successful owners are engaged in the process. Successful owners are engaged in the process. David was a successful owner because he was engaged in the process. And we read the story. Listen to that story and to the details of the story. Now, let me remind you that David was already anointed to be king. At this, at this point in the story in his life, Samuel had come and he had tried anointing his brothers. It didn't work. And you remember the story. He was left with the sheep and somebody finally said, well, go get David. And here comes David, and he probably walks into the house and like, man, what's going on here? Samuel's here. Why wasn't I invited to this party? This would have been a nice one to be a, a part of. But we know that God said to Samuel, this is the young man that is chosen to be king. He was anointed to be king. And what is he doing in this story? He's watching the sheep still. David had no problem, even though he was anointed to be king, he had no problem going back and watching the sheep. That is a man who is a young man, that was a young, skinny man that was engaged in the process. It didn't matter the title. It didn't matter what was happening in his life or what people were saying about him. He was, a, he was responsible. That is ownership. That is ownership that is into the kingdom of God. And he gladly went back to the sheep. And then, and then he had to leave his sheep. And what did he do? Did he just leave them out there? No, he got somebody in charge. He said, hey, I'm leaving my sheep. I know I'm anointed to be king, but I still care about the sheep. And so David was somebody who was engaged in the process. 
And the key word here is process. That's the key word. You're engaged in the process. David had no problem watching sheep. David, I need you to come deliver food. Okay, I can do that. David, oh, now you got to carry cheese. All right, I, I better leave early in the morning. I, I can do that too. Do you know what his attitude was when he saw Goliath? Sheep, cheese guy, delivery cheese guy. Now I'm going to take down the giant. Why? Because he was engaged in the process. He wasn't just doing, he just wasn't watching sheep buying his time. He was watching his sheep because he cared for them, because he loved his father and he honored his father. And he spent time in the presence of God. And of course, when that anointing came upon him, he experienced something, and I've experienced it before. And I know many of you have experienced the presence of God. I've, I've experienced the presence of God in my life where, you know, my emotions are overcome and I'm crying before God. And there's this a faith inside me. I've been in the presence of God. I've been there before. That's why I have no problem doing any task for God. I am not perfect, but I can tell you when I've been in the presence of God, it, it helps me to be engaged in the process. So if it's cleaning toilets, let's do that. If it's delivering a van, let's do that. If it's dusting here, I remember when I was first here, and, and you know, things had been shut down for a while, and so we weren't in the building, and you know what, I, we were going to do a recording, and I remember just dusting up here. Whatever it takes, it's being a part of the process. And those are successful owners. If you want to be a successful owner, then be willing to do any job, that no job is too small for you. And obviously, no job is too big for you. You are engaged in the process. And David, we can see that he was engaged in the process. Later on in the story, uh, in, in, second, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, you know the heart of David was revealed. Because in 1 Samuel 24, David had an opportunity to kill Saul. It was there. It was for his taking. Remember, he's anointed king. The only thing that stands in his way is Saul. And now he can get rid of him. Was like, no, that's not part of the process. That's not how this works. I've been in the presence of God. I felt the love of God. I felt the love of the Father. And when I think about murdering and killing this innocent man right now, the king of Israel, there's something inside me that says, no, that's not right. I know it's, it gets me to the kingship. I know it gets me to the fulfillment of what God wants me to do, but it's just, uh, it's just it's not right, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to kill him. That's why the presence of God is so important in our life, because I guarantee you, in life, we're always presented with shortcuts. Life has a lot of shortcuts, and it's the presence of God that says, no, don't do it. Don't take that shortcut. It's not worth it. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep doing it the hard way. Keep taking the high road. Stay engaged in the process. David was engaged in the process. It reminded me, uh, as I was preparing this message in, in my own personal prayer time, I was reading this story that I wanted to share with you. A very familiar story, one that I've been always amazed at this portion of Scripture in the Gospel. And it's the part of, of the gospel where Jesus asked his disciples, he says, who do people say I am? And his disciples say, well, some say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah. Then he says, but who do you say that I am? Peter gets up. 
You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. Jesus looks at Peter and he blesses him and he says, you are it. God has revealed that to you. God has opened your heart to receive it. Peter, you know, just having a stick and throwing it at that. Jesus called me a rock. And then Jesus began to tell his disciples, I want to tell you that I'm going to suffer. He began to explain to them the process of crucifixion and what was going to happen in his life and, and how all of this pain and agony was going to come by the hands of the elders. And Peter he just had his badge put on his vest. Come here, Lord. I want to talk to you. Now, as the rock of this group, as somebody who has been given the badge of being the rock, I want you to know that is never going to happen to you. Lord, they're never going to crucify you. Lord, the elders, they, they're going to know you're the Messiah, and they're going to honor you. That will never happen to you. What does Jesus do in that moment? He rebukes Peter. He said, Peter, you do not have the things of God now. You have the things of men. He rebuked Peter. And I've always been fascinated with that story because in one moment, Peter was like on point spiritually. I mean, like, whoa, he just, he just let it out. I mean, he was on point. And then in the same, you know, in the same moment, he messes it all up. And it hit me. It hit me in that moment as I was reading that. As I was preparing this message and as I'm reading that story, it hit me. Peter was not engaged in the process. Now, Peter wanted the result of the process, absolutely. He said, Lord, you know, let's just, what Peter had in mind was self-preservation. We've got to preserve you, Lord. We've been beat up all through, you know, these past 400 years, and now the Romans are taking their turn beating us up. Now, now you're here. Now it's time for self-preservation. Lord, let's just skip the process, and let's just take over the land. Let's just forget about what you're saying, and let's just do what you came to do, and let's take this land back, and let's show these Romans, and let's show this world that you are Jehovah, God Almighty. Let's skip the the denials. You don't skip moments of frustration. You don't skip the moments where anxiety is filling your life. You don't skip the moment of crucifixion. You don't skip the moment where they nail hands. My, they, nail, they put nails in my hands and my feet and the crown. You don't skip that process because that is the process of salvation. That is how they will know that I am King of kings and Lord of lords. They're not going to know it because I came to this earth and I snapped my fingers and everything was put back to normal. They'll never know that I truly love them that way. It's only when they see me on the cross and my hands are being held by nails. It's only when I'm crying out to my Father. And the Bible says that He would not even be recognizable. He was so beaten. It's only in that moment... Peter, that I can declare, Father, forgive them. It's only when I go through the process that you can receive 
salvation. And I realized in that moment, Peter was not in the process. He, was, he wasn't involved in it. He was wanting to skip it. And I've been there before. I've shared the story before when I was in Bible college. And I was following the Messiah. I was following the Son of the living God. And then he said to me, Sid, a part of the process is I'm going to allow your beautiful Bible college to be closed. And I said, no, Lord. No, they tried that my first year. We prayed, miracle happened. I know that's not the Lord. I said, I'm going to close it. And it closed. And I got mad at God. And I didn't want to be in ministry anymore. And I had that moment of repentance. And I learned about the process. I learned that life doesn't always go your way. I learned that you may have a plan, but it's not always God's plan. And I'm not saying they're evil or sinful. You know, you can all have good plans. I'm talking about good plans. I'm not talking about being evil. I'm not talking about hurting people. I wasn't trying to hurt somebody by keeping my school open. I wanted people to be blessed. That was a part of my plan. And God said, no. You only have in mind the things, the plans of men. You don't see my plan. I wouldn't be here today if that school wasn't closed. And I've learned in life that you just trust God and you trust the process. You don't have to get mad at God. You don't have to get frustrated. You don't even have to try to figure it all out. You just need to trust Him. You just need to worship Him. You just need to serve Him. That's ownership. That's ownership. And we know that Peter learned it. He finally learned ownership because the book of Acts declares that Peter was persecuted. And in those moments of persecution, you know what Peter did? Well, you know what he did not do? Peter did not fight back. But he rejoiced in the Lord. We know that he was put in prison. Did he spend time trying to, you know, you, you, you think he would have spent time trying to escape. But the Bible says that while he was in prison, he fell asleep. Why did Peter fall asleep? Because he knew his life wasn't in the hands of the Romans. He knew his life wasn't in the hands of Herod. He knew his life wasn't confined to a jail cell. He knew that his calling was greater than what his emotions were. He knew that his life was in God's hands. So he went to sleep. Because he learned about the process. He learned that there's a process now. He got it. I'm in, I'm in jail. It's a part of the process. I'm going to go to sleep. Because he was at peace. Not necessarily with the process, but he was at peace with the one who controlled the process. That's what I'm talking about, being engaged in the process. And I want us to do that. And so this morning, if you're going through a tough time in your life, if you're, you're struggling and you're, you're wanting to just fight back and you're, you're wanting to hurt or you're, you're hurting inside and, and life has been beating you up, I want you to trust God with all of your heart. I want you to receive His love and His mercy. I want to tell you that Jesus went through the process so that you could receive life. So that you could stand in the middle of the storm and sing. I'm going to raise up again. That's power. That's truth. And that's what God has called this church to live by. That we can be in the middle of a storm and say, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. That's the power of God. That's the process. That's why James said, rejoice when you go through trials. 
Not because it feels good, but it's because the glory of God will be revealed through you. You have a game in the closet, so if you're going through a tough time, I want you to trust God. Keep worshiping Him. Keep serving Him. Don't give up. Keep loving God. Of course, I want this message to apply to our church as well on a, on a broader level. And thinking about uh, being a, you know, just new here, not even a year, obviously, yet. And thinking about the process. And I am asking every one of you to join me in the process. It will be a process. I realize that. I have no, you know, no immature thoughts that this is just going to be a walk in the park and everything's going to be wonderful and every day and every week we're going to love each other and nobody's going to have a complaint and I'm always going to say the right thing and I, you're going to always say the right thing to me and we're just going to smile all the time. I have no preconceived ideas that that will always happen. I know it's going to mostly happen. I believe that, but I do know that it's going to be a process and it's going to take time. Anything of value Let's go through this together. I believe God has brought us together. There is no doubt in my mind of what God has been working and orchestrating. And I'm saying, yes, let's get in line and let's line up shoulder and shoulder and let's look like Christians and let's make the war cry. And then we're going to sound like Christians and then we're going to see the giant. But instead of running, we're not going to run. We're not going to run away from the giant. We're not going to run away from the problems. But we're together. We're going to run into the battle. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's serve God together. Let's do the impossible together. Let's not just dream little dreams, but let's dream big dreams. And every one of you have them. I want to dream big dreams, not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of what who Jesus is and because of what He has done. I want us to dream as a church. I want us to take ownership of what God is doing in our lives. Morning, uh, with this thought, you know, just one more, one more point to be made. That uh, believers, uh, godly owners, are engaged in Jesus. Godly owners are engaged in Jesus. It's not just the process. You know, if I was just asking you just to stay involved in the process, like that, you not too excited. But by being engaged in the process, you know who you are really engaged in. You're engaged in Jesus. What was Peter doing while he was sleeping? He was engaged in Jesus. Time's coming up. That's a good sign because I can keep going. They're engaged. Peter was engaged in Jesus. That's why he was unable to endure a night in prison and fall asleep. He was engaged in Jesus. It's not just about the process. We've got to be reminded it is a process. But at the end of the day, it's more than a process. It's Jesus. We can be engaged in the Lord. We can come into his presence. Why was David able to go through everything that he went through at being chased? Being chased by Saul all those years. It's because he declared, I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. That's why he never took Saul's life. Because he was engaged in the presence of God. And, and in the presence of God, it, wasn't, it was more than just being about the king of Israel. It, it was about knowing the God of Israel. And I want you to know that, you know, to me, things are, it's more than just building a, a strong church, although that's what we want to do, and that's what I'm going to, you know, serve for. You know, it's, it's, it's more than just, you know, this is, we want something to say to people of what's happening in the church. No, it's, it's more than that. It's about being engaged in Jesus. It's engaged in His presence. This past week, I had the opportunity to spend some time with Doug and Michelle. Beautiful moment. Michelle was having a good day, and even though she had gone through chemotherapy, she's having a good day. And as I, I began to share my message with her and to share what was on my heart, and I, I was sharing this part of the process. And I can tell you, she began to encourage me. You can start playing. You know, if um, she just blessed me as always. She gave me great strength. She strengthened me. Why? Because she didn't sound like the army of Israel. She sounded like David. She sounded like somebody who was engaged in the process. And even more than just the process, she was engaged in Jesus. And instead of running and hiding, she was standing in front of the giant of cancer and saying, I'm going to lift the name of Jesus up. I'm going to sing His praises. Though outwardly we're dying, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And I can tell you, the Bible says it, we are all appointed to die once. That's why believers, we don't fear death. We don't walk in fear, but we walk in faith. And it's the faith that arises in us, and it's the faith that causes God to do great things in and through our lives. I want to be engaged in Jesus because in Jesus there are answers. In Jesus there is hope. In Jesus there is peace. In Jesus there is victory. So Father, this morning I pray by your Spirit that you will begin to work in the lives of your people. And God, I do pray and I do ask that you would bring Michelle's body. And I thank you, God, for the miracles already that she has shared with me, the miracles of life that are coming to those around her, the miracle of your grace that is more than enough for her. Oh, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. The miracle of her faith igniting my faith and saying, I'm going to keep moving forward. I do pray for anybody online or here that's sick in body, that's sick in mind, that's sick and tired of this world and their problems. Jesus, let your presence come so that they can be engaged in your presence and in your goodness.